This is the Hot Fish series from the University of Sterling. Hello and welcome to the Hotfish podcast series where early career researchers working in aquaculture tell us something about their research and how it relates to climate change. Today I'm talking to Dr Richard Newton who's based at Stirling and specialises in how resources are being used in aquaculture. In the last few years he's been very busy working on an EU Horizon 2020 research programme called GAIN and his particular focus has been looking at how aquaculture can become more eco-intensive. Richard, can you explain what that means? Thanks, Dave. Intensification means different things to different people, I think. Um, historically, intensification has been about getting more from less in its broadest terms. Um, however, there's negative connotations around that, particularly with some of the more intensive factory farming type models that we see which are high in people's consciousness so we were very conscious of that when we started the game project we wanted to be sure that what we were doing was sustainable and um, the type of intensification we were doing was done in a responsible manner so the eco part was getting away from those kind of really um, negative aspects of intensification trying to cram as many fish into a small space as possible and feed them loads and loads of food with all of the welfare and environmental impacts that came along with that. So as far as intensification goes, it's often been associated with what happens at the production site on the farm in terms of aquaculture, whereas the game project foresaw a lot of synergies by incorporating what we call circular economy principles throughout the, the value chain, the supply chain for aquaculture, not just about what happens on farm and trying to get as much out of the system as possible. Richard, I wonder if you could explain to our listeners what the circular economy really means. Sure. So what we've had traditionally is what's called the linear economy, which is extraction of raw materials, manufacturing of the product and its utilisation, and finally disposal. So the circular economy in its most basic form just means recycling. It's ensuring that all the waste products are, are reused or recycled. It's a, a bit more complex than that in food production because food waste and byproducts can't simply be recycled or reused. They need to be transformed in some way. So from our perspective, it's more about retention of valuable nutrition, redistribution within food production where possible and other industrial applications where it's not possible at all points within the supply chain through to the end product and then final disposal. How did you get interested in, in, you know, working around the circular economy, Richard? I mean, I know you've always been interested in waste, but, um, you know, the, the idea that aquaculture can both use waste produced by other sectors and that aquaculture waste itself has value. Uh, it's, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly. I'm not sure that I've always been interested in waste exactly. Um, I was aware of issues within the supply chain for a long time. I think the epiphany really was when I used to work on trout farms. And the farm I worked on had a water quality issue, which meant a lot of mortality in the summer. 
and part of my job was that I had to take the, the malts down to a pit in a wheelbarrow, usually followed by a swarm of flies which were biting me all the way. And I thought, even if we can't reduce the mortality, then there's got to be a better way to use these than this. So I started looking into it, and one thing led to another, looking around different byproducts and waste streams in the industry, and then approached you with my PhD proposal, which seems a very long time ago now, but um, things have progressed a lot since then. There's been more interest, and now it's ever more important. And I think a lot of people now know that a third of food production is wasted in one form or another throughout the supply chain in different ways in different places and this is often overlooked actually when we're trying to be more efficient with our food production we're always looking at the next new best thing to produce food in the most technologically advanced way but um, actually some of the solutions to being more efficient are perhaps more simple and just reducing waste and utilizing that waste a little bit better. Perhaps explain why the circular economy is so important for the the future of aquaculture. I mean all food production is resource limited and all food production has environmental impacts but what is it that by entering and being part of the circular economy aquaculture can be a more efficient and more climate friendly form of food production? pointed it really to farm any food you need resources and the feed ingredients for livestock production whether that's through aquaculture or on land need to be produced somewhere in the world and then transported to where they're needed aquaculture is the same in some ways but different in others to uh, terrestrial uh, uh, livestock production it's a very diverse sector so each species has different requirements However, in Europe and the US, there's been a lot of focus on marine ingredients, fish meal and oils from small fish species, which have historically been a staple for European aquaculture and for some time have been at or over the limit of exploitation. So the industry has been trying to source alternative nutritious feed ingredients from plants such as soy or other sources for a long time, and many of them also have sustainability concerns. So... Yeah, there's a, a need to be efficient in, in terms of providing these feed ingredients. But all food production generally results in byproducts, which are low value and often wasted. Some of them are highly nutritious and can be used by other food production systems in some way, whether that is manure, wheat bran, fish and livestock processing byproducts, or the mortality from livestock. They're all nutritious and could be used by something and recycled some way transformed in some way by some species or reused somehow so a lot of my work has been to try and link up those resources in the different industries and provide the evidence base around assessing the sustainability of the different options which which are available so we have waste and we have byproducts and people talk about co-products what's the difference uh, yes, there's a lot of definitions and I'm not sure that everyone really agrees and people tie themselves in knots over the definitions of these different things. So in my mind, really, co-products are just different products that are produced at the same time, just of different values and includes the high value parts that are the purpose of the industry as well as waste and byproducts. A lot of it is down to how the individual perceives it and how we value different things in different places. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, if you like. 
So if you imagine an oil refinery, you get petrol, diesel, gas, kerosene, many other co-products out there. Some are higher value, some are not, and some are wasted, like gas that sometimes flared off. The same could be considered a fish processor, for example. There may be fillets and other products for human consumption. Viscera and other parts may be considered byproducts that may be used for livestock or pet feed, for example. Some parts that a market cannot be found for, such as scales or bones, for example, which may then be disposed of or perhaps used for industrial purposes. They're only a waste if you don't use them, but they're still all co-products, really. So I'm wondering how this use of circular economy approaches maybe reduces our reliance on marine ingredients from the oceans. That they've come in for a lot of criticism. And I know you've done work on using byproducts from fisheries so that we, we can just use the fish that we do catch much more efficiently. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yes, absolutely. I think it's probably one of the most important issues facing aquaculture today, certainly from a supply chain perspective. There's about 5 million tonnes of fish meal and a million tonnes of fish oil produced in the world every year, subject to a bit of fluctuation due to things like El Nino and just changes in the fisheries. Um, But those fisheries are pretty much at the point of full exploitation and have been for several decades. And with the growth in aquaculture, it means that it uses up the majority of both of them and there's a good reason for that is that they're, they're good ingredients they have high digestibility and they provide the characteristics of the the final product the aquaculture product that we eat that we that we want but they've become marine ingredients have become a major target of aquaculture criticism so much so that the mantra has been we must replace them at all costs and it's always struck me that people were putting a lot of effort into trying to find marine ingredient replacements without much regard to the sustainability of those replacements. At the same time, people weren't really paying a lot of attention to how sustainable the fisheries were from which marine ingredients were sourced and whether there was any potential for increasing the sustainability of marine ingredients or indeed increasing the volume of sustainable marine ingredients from different sources. So little attention has been paid to the huge amount of fishery byproducts that are poorly utilised and potentially could provide large amounts of highly nutritious and sustainable marine ingredients. For many species, the byproducts make up around half the processing volume. And in many cases, that byproduct is badly utilised or just wasted altogether. So the first part of this work started uh, eight years ago, in fact, and together with some industry colleagues, we tried to calculate how much byproduct there was and how much more marine ingredients could be produced by by utilising the byproducts better. And we found that just by redirecting byproducts from waste, we could perhaps increase the global pool of marine ingredients by as much as fifty percent, and even more so if fish was a better process because in fact in some places in the world fish just isn't processed very well and people buy whole fish and the byproducts end up in the bin so by utilizing the byproducts better it's a win-win situation the aquaculture aquaculture industry gets more marine ingredients and the fisheries industry reduces its waste 
Of course, there are caveats around this regarding the sustainability of the fisheries, where those byproducts come from, and we shouldn't be encouraging the use of byproducts from poorly managed and unregulated fisheries. Well, this all sounds like perfect common sense to me. So, so why isn't it adopted more? Why, why has it been so slow to get these really implemented in the UK and further afield? Well, yeah, I think you're right that the situation's different in different places around the world. Um, in Europe, I think a big part of it, it just hasn't really been on processors' radar. Though the byproducts were considered low value and it hasn't really been a priority to invest in the necessary steps to utilise them. For byproducts to remain in the food chain, they need to be kept to a minimum standards. That means preventing spoilage, preventing contamination, and essentially remaining uh, retaining quality. That requires more space, storage facilities, expertise, and in investment to do that. Uh, in some cases, the economies of scale and logistical issues in remote locations re uh, remain a barrier to, to be able to do that. And it's been a bit of a glass ceiling to break through, which has needed legislation to prevent waste before the industry would invest. But now that is happening, I think everyone is seeing the benefits, certainly in the UK and Norway, where there are large demands for the marine ingredients in the salmon industry. We showed that a substantial value could be added to the industry as a whole if the byproducts were well utilised. Part of the key to unlocking them is local demand, I think. Wherever there's a strong demand locally, then there seems to be more action, such as in parts of Europe and Asia, where there's also a large aquaculture industry. So it's, it sounds to me that, you know, aquaculture being within the circular economy is a climate friendly approach to food production. And I'm wondering what you do to encourage it further. Yeah, well, I, I don't think there's any silver bullet at all. I think uh, aquaculture is so diverse and with so many different species and different systems. So some species are, are not fed at all, such as the biofowls and some fish too. But from my perspective, it's about nutrition management because most climate action, most climate impact studies on aquaculture show that feed is the main contributor to, to, to the, the carbon footprint within those systems. That's, that's the production of the feed ingredients and the milling of that feed. Of course, we need to source low carbon ingredients such as from byproducts, but it's not just about what's in the feed, but the efficient use of the feed as well. And there are many ways to improve that through better health and welfare, for example, but also better management. A healthy, unstressed fish would always convert feed better than diseased or stressed fish will. And you can also ensure that feed is given to fish in the right amounts at the right time. You can ensure that the stock is managed so that there's no aggression or hierarchy so that all the fish within, within the production system receive optimum nutrition all the time. And you can time fish movement and harvesting to optimise the use of feed as well. So there's many ways to achieve it. I think uh, aquaculture has been at a disadvantage compared to other livestock production because it's so difficult to see and monitor the stock. So the issues any issues which are within the stock the fish stock are not often picked up straight away and management's uh, just a little bit more difficult but the new precision agriculture developments of more sensors and better data management will, will improve that a lot i think over the next few years and it's quite exciting times for aquaculture in those respects well thanks for that richard and thanks to the green aquaculture intensification project funded under the european 
Horizon 2020 program. And most of all, thanks to you for listening in. Till next time, goodbye. This podcast has been produced at the University of Stirling's Institute of Aquaculture with financial assistance from the Belmont Forum on Climate and Health. Thank you for listening.